Kia and welcome to this episode of the Windows on Dementia podcast. I'm Lanita Russell and I'm the Principal Advisor, Services and Standards at Alzheimer's New Zealand. Today we'll be talking about post-diagnostic support. We'll be joined by two guests, Adrian Henderson and Tanya Leiders, who are both supporting their husbands. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today, Adrian and Tanya. This podcast is timely, as the latest World Alzheimer's Report 2022 highlights some of the challenges the sector is facing globally. The report focuses on the urgent need for significant improvements to essential post-diagnosis treatment, care and support services. I'm sure Adrian and Tanya's experiences will help you understand the urgent need for more more post-diagnostic support here in Aotearoa. Adrian's husband, Bob, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven years ago, and she's the vice chairperson of Alzheimer's Otago. Tanya's husband, Lloyd, was diagnosed with dementia last year. Thank you both for joining us here today and sharing your stories. We really appreciate it. So can we start off with you telling us about your journey so far? And perhaps, Adrian, you might like to start. Thank you. Sure. Well, Bob was showing signs of um, not remembering things, but he's always been a wee bit absent-minded, to be honest. So we did wonder to begin with whether it was just getting older. But actually, as it deteriorated, I encouraged him to see a GP. There was a lot of encouragement went into that because who wants to know that you might have some form of dementia? Anyway, he did go and had a scan um, and the diagnosis was Alzheimer's. Uh, It wasn't a surprise for us because it is his mother also had it and his sister all has it at the moment. She's younger than he is. Anyway, the diagnosis time, and I don't know about you, Tanya, but it was not easy for us at all. When we were told that he had um, Alzheimer's, the GP basically said, well, you've got Alzheimer's, get your affairs in order, do what you want to do in the next couple of years. And, um, you know, there's not much really we can do showed us a clinical pathway on the screen, which as you can imagine, when you've just been told you've got uh, Alzheimer's, to look at a clinical pathway on the screen is just, for me, having worked in the health and disability sector, I knew what a clinical pathway is, but for someone like Bob, who's been an engineer, what's that, you know? I mean, it it was, unfortunately, there was no referral, recommendation to go and see um, Alzheimer's Canterbury it was at that stage or now Dementia Canterbury there was no um, suggestion that maybe you'd like to come back and talk to us in a couple of days couple of weeks couple of months whatever suits you you know they need to have time to think about it so the actual diagnosis stage was was not easy and I guess was it similar to the, for you too Tanya yeah, resonates with me what you've been saying there. Yeah, I, 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 clinical pathway, mm, uh, none of that. Sorry, we, the psychiatrist at older, older person's health, or I should say psychiatric registrar, did the tests and then responded with, um, it's dementia, your husband has dementia, you have dementia, 
and I would start looking at rest homes and that was actually all that we had and I was in such shock I think I cried I think I did that it registered and then we left in a daze um mm. and that was it that was actually it nothing no other information and leading up to that Lloyd had been involved with the Stroke Foundation our path pathway to the uh, diagnosis had come via um stroke and Lloyd having some forgetfulness issues, but never in my wildest dreams had I anticipated that um, diagnosis. Uh, so you can imagine we staggered out of older person's house, sort of, you know, clutching at each other. You know, where to from here? And once I collected my thoughts, I made a phone call to older person's house and expressed my dissatisfaction with the service. And we were mm. called back in. Yeah, so. I know what you mean about that dazed. You just feel totally dazed, even though I was sort of expecting it, to be honest. You're still dazed. And I'm thinking, right, where to from here? You know, and like it was like a big void in front of me. I do feel so fortunate to have worked in the sector overall and have known that, oh God, there is this Alzheimer's Canterbury. I can go to something because this was in Christchurch and we're now in Dunedin, but at least I knew there was something out there, an organisation that I could turn to. And I was really fortunate. I think when you know people who work in the sector, um, which I do, it makes it so much easier because you can always check some things out with them. But it shouldn't be left up to chance. And there's a lot of people who aren't in the situation that I am to know that sort of thing. I feel fortunate too in that um, I'd had a lot to do um, with the mental health sector in the past, supporting family members and advocating. Uh, and I think we've talked about this um, at length before. And when you've had to advocate on other, you know, areas of health, you do learn some of, you know, the key buttons to push if you need to access support, um, which still doesn't make it any easier. But, you know, the fact that Lloyd had been involved with the Stroke Foundation and, my own experiences with family members having had uh, poor mental health outcomes I was um it was it was really um down to the fact that you asked the hard questions I think Adrian I don't know about you but those questions are not easy to ask or to source the answers for and actually the biggest issue is where do you go to get the answers because mm. the disparity and mm. who offers what part of the service it's to me this you know piecemeal kind of scattered information here there and everywhere and now that I've actually been introduced to Alzheimer's Otago um, via the Stroke Foundation um, recently I have to say it's paying so many dividends in so many ways that still doesn't make it easy to access information via GPs or the public health system um, or resources for that matter. Hmm. No and there's not a lot of resources out there is there so the options for getting some um, support. Um, Bob still manages it fairly well, um, but I've done a lot of research myself and I'm, I try to be solution focused. It's one of the things that I try to think now, this is coming, what can I do to, how can I manage this best? So from right from the beginning, I thought one of the things I have got to do is not get irritated when the same thing comes up again. I've got to train myself. <laughs> 
and but always try and be solution focused and you know so for example we've got a tracker so Bob still walks each day with the dog I'm the one who gets anxious about it but we've got a tracker so I know exactly where he is and we've got We've agreed that he will walk exactly the same route every day. He says what time he'll be back. And he's actually very good at that, even though some other things don't work so well. <laughs> but that does. And I'll just keep trying to think, now, how can I make it so that this life for him and I can it can continue to be as natural as possible and, um, and for him as fulfilled as possible? Because there's things, obviously, he can't do um, that he always would have done in the past. And that must be so frustrating for him. So I want to try and limit that frustration and that sadness for him that he, that he feels but won't actually talk openly about to me, really. Both of you are telling stories that really resonate alongside the other reports that, you know, that we've read. And you've both been involved with health in one way or another and you're experienced. And so the difficulties must be enormous for somebody else who hasn't got that background experience. Must it just just terrible. So for each of you, you've, you've gone about finding the support that you've received. You've taken the approach. You've decided on the Adrian. You said, you know, you'll take the strengths-based approach. Based on your experiences and the things that you've done, what do you think we need to do to improve post-diagnostic support in, in Aotearoa? Um, one of the things that I think is really difficult, so I do have one day of respite care a week, which will be um, is it reassessed each year by the needs assessor, who was excellent, actually. But when it is, so say, for example, I get another day, I then have to find someone who's prepared to spend some time with Bob that will provide some, what I consider is reasonable time for him so that I can have a break. But I have to find that person and, you know, $75 for four to eight hours, you know, who's going to do that? It's not a job. It's really volunteer support with a bit of money attached rather than a job. And so, um, but I mean, I have employed people on many over the years in my work, but I've always had this big infrastructure of an organization behind me that supports that recruitment. So in this case, I don't have any of that. And yet I've got to try and find someone who will be that carer to give me the respite uh, that actually helps me and gives me the energy and that um, sort of feeling of okayness to go forward and for the rest of the week. So you're wanting, you're looking for somebody to walk alongside you really and, and support you so that you can support Bob? Yeah, and also I feel like Alzheimer's Otago does that. Like they will walk alongside me. They provide me with ideas and I can discuss things with them. And um, not that I use them lots, but when I do, I can just ring up and say, oh this is what's happening can I have a you know can I have a bit of a kōrero with you and just have a chat so the person that relieves me also must be fine for Bob too I don't want to be having him having a miserable day or a miserable few hours um, while I'm actually feeling a lot better because that only makes it harder for me to, and harder for him and we don't need that. What about you Tanya what do you think um, would help well, I'm in a slightly different situation from 
Adrienne, and um, I'm actually learning from her as I'm listening during this, you know, listening to her during this conversation because the journey is actually reasonably new, you know, newly started for us with Lloyd's diagnosis just being halfway, you know, mid-2021. Mid and it's been in a COVID environment, so you can imagine. I'm still in full-time employment. I don't, I haven't used the respite allowance, respite allowance yet. I have come close to it. But Lloyd has two days in the Leslie Groves day, you know, he's in the day program twice a week, two days. We have um, a lady who lives with us who um, just keep him company during the day, although she has her own life, but we're very fortunate in that regard. But it's one of the wonderful, um, you know, sort of synergies that's happened. She came to live with us because she just needed somewhere to live, a friend. And it's, as Lloyd's been diagnosed, that's worked out quite well. So that I guess I'm talking about this as one of the, you see, everybody will have their own solution or their mm. own ways of arriving at, ways of coping. And it's a shifting, you know, what I'm, what I'm mindful of is an ever-shifting paradigm, shifting situation. I find as the weeks go by, Lloyd is, you know, changing. And, you know, what, what, what might work? Today, this month, who will know? Who knows? And how do you plan for that? I mean, that's the other thing. I think help with planning that is really missing. We talk about a clinical pathway, but how about a support pathway? Going forward, I don't know how long I'll be able to stay at work. Um, I'm only just getting my head around, you know, the cost of rest homes and will there be enough rest home care available, um, let alone someone coming into the house to look after him. Those sorts of conversations, I just wish there was someone I could just sit down with and have a really, really good frank conversation. If you don't have family members, uh, we don't have a close family, um, and Lloyd's um, probably, um, his family, his son, his oldest son's in Perth, and his daughter doesn't keep good health herself. So it's, you know, not all families are equipped to actually provide that sort of support around the loved one. Um, so I find myself actually, you know, I'm sort of like trying to gather all these um, resources and put together a, a sort of a, a, a capsule of support for my husband and bearing in mind that that's dynamic and ever-changing I mean and I'm trying to hold down a full-time job um, because you know I'm the financial I'm the breadwinner um, and let's face it we all know that that you know medical costs are not cheap. No. I think, Tanya that you're right that it's really wonderful to have support of family and support of friends but actually there's a, you know sort of a limit to which you can rely on people and which or expect things from people um, and to take some responsibility ourselves is is good there's nothing wrong with that but just to have some support to do that some information knowing that there's some options what are the options I really don't know what all the options are and I mean I know there's been um, there is day programs that are available but is that all there is until it's either that or then rest home care there's no clear there's no information I don't feel like there's a support network out there for example I feel like I'm lucky to have family and friends um, and without them I would feel extremely isolated so that really that isolation would concern me for a lot of other people who may not have that that support around them because it would not feel easy at all. So it seems to me that both of you have got slightly different situations, but you both very, very much need of a system that is going to support you so that you can support your husbands. 
and and it was also as looking for and I don't want to put words in your mouth but um, a system that is also responsive to your changing needs because you both recognize that those needs can change reasonably quickly and and if you're told that um, you know it might be some months before you get some support then you've still got to go and find your own in the meantime are there any other things that you think would make a real difference to to you and to your families in terms of post-diagnostic support if there was a magic button you could push what would you wish for I would wish for options to be available for so that I could have some time so options for Bob that are that treat him with respect and dignity that he deserves so some things that he enjoys being a part of um, and that I am then have my respite but options not not me searching for something me having to find someone to provide that. Um, where do I go to? How do I find it? Who will do it? And the recompense for people doing it as well. So I just, some individualised, respected, you know, some individualised care that respects the person and gives me the time. I think also it's really important. I mean, again, I can talk with my friends about any concerns or my anxieties about the future or about um, my frustrations. Um, if you haven't got those friends, it's ideal to be able to talk to someone else. Like, you know, just hearing Tanya talk, it's when you um, are talking with people who have similar situations, it actually, you know, that old saying, what is it, a problem shared is a problem halved or something like that, very important. So, so some sort of that group support, a natural group support, you know, we can get together and have a chat. And if you want to have a cry, you can have a cry or whatever. Mm. Good. And I guess there's an opportunity then to, to actually hear about some of the things that have worked for other people. And so that you can share those ideas. And that, mm. yeah, yeah. What about you, Tanya? What would be the magic thing for you? Well, the magic, you know, is it, probably the, the one thing that will never be um, available, mm. which is certainty of what the journey is going to look like. You know, um, how long is this going to be, um, you know, is this going to be my life? Is it going to be our life? Because, you know, I mean, I, I want Lloyd, like you, Adrian, I want him to have a dignified and, you know, compassionate and caring environment. Um, and... I would concur with Adrian. I, I feel like a wrap around a hub of, you know, something akin to Alzheimer's New Zealand. Um, New Zealand does a fantastic job, don't get me wrong. But this collaboration across all of the, um, you know, inputs into the um, good outcomes, you know, how, you know, what what does justify, um, you know, what, what what is a good outcome and, and what will that look like and, and how, how can we work together with all these disparate organisations to provide a package of care, I guess? I'm most anxious about the future in, in respect to, um, you know, how long can I keep my husband at home? They, mm -hmm. they talk about, mm -hmm. you know, the successful um, treatment is, is keeping, you know, success is, is keeping your loved one at home for as long as possible and as independent Absolutely. as possible. And, and how can you do that when, you know, you, you, you haven't got the toolkit? Um, so enable us to do that if you want good health outcomes and if you want us to keep um, our loved ones out of you know the public health system 
um, at a more advanced level um, help us to do that you know can't can't say it with one and on the one hand and then you know not provide the tools on the other mm. um, a package of care and um, you know I don't know what a clinical pathway is um, Adrian I've no one's spoken to me about a clinical pathway that's how much I know so I obviously haven't asked enough questions Thank you both for sharing your stories with us today. Look, it's obvious that we can do a lot better, isn't it? And um, I think that both of you are doing an absolute amazing job supporting your husbands and, and battling to get the information and the support you need. So, um, you know, well done. But, you know, as we've heard here, there's a huge amount that still needs to be done. So people and whanau can get a diagnosis when they need it. And at that stage of diagnosis, they can get told what help and support is going to be available to them um, so that you don't have to go looking so that it's there when they need it. And as we've heard, you know, these changes need to happen fast. Otherwise, Kiwis will carry mm. on missing out because as we've heard, there's a really significant um, urgent need for improvement in post-diagnostic support here in Aotearoa and it's it's not hard stuff a lot of it is just simple stuff everyday stuff that is going to make a difference so thank you for coming along and, and please you know we will continue to work towards a dementia friendly Aotearoa as a sector as Alzheimer's New Zealand and, and other um, groups similar to ours and to ensure that people like you and Farno get the care and the support they deserve so thank you very much for your time today